You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. This is our 41st episode. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am your other host, Curtis Findlay. And uh, this month, or this week, we're talking about All-Star Superman. And uh, we're talking about volumes 1 and 2 of All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. Uh, and, uh, this is, this is one of my, for those who listen along, they know that I'm a huge Superman fan and, and all-star Superman is one of my top three Superman books. Um, do you, uh, um, do you rank your top three in like, is there an actual first place? No, no. Cause like they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're all important for different reasons, right? Like they all have different, um, aspects of the character, but, uh, the, the, what, what we've covered one of the other ones, which is Superman for all seasons. And, uh, and, and we'll, we'll talk about the third one later. Uh, it'll, it'll come up towards the end of the episode, but, uh, yeah, it, there, I mean, there, there's obviously, there's a through line. There's a thread that, that ties together sort of my, what, what I consider to be, a perfect Superman. Right. Um, and uh, uh, All-Star Superman definitely does a really great job of encapsulating that and showing off a lot of great stuff about the character Superman. Uh, it's a... Uh, for those who didn't read it, uh, hopefully everybody did read it, but for those who didn't, it's it's a really interesting sort of almost an anthology series which i really liked about it yeah i I loved that the the, there were single issues yeah uh, single stories per issue that wrapped themselves up yeah and it just uh it brought you it brought you back to you know the way comics were written yeah yeah sort of classic comics but for the modern reader there is also an overarching story right and in the second volume that really takes yeah takes hold for sure um and the reason why we that like that's that's really why we wanted to read both volumes because uh you don't really you can't really read the second volume which is the better of the two um without getting that sort of set up in the first volume um otherwise that a lot of it loses its punch well and it's just it's one full story yeah it's not like an ongoing series where it just keeps on going this is it has a start and a finish and it's not that long so let's just read all of it yeah yeah absolutely um so the overarching story is that uh, uh, this uh, crazy scientist, a character created just, as far as I know, created just for this series, uh, Leo uh, Quintum, uh, he, uh, he and his, his uh, uh, team are flying a spaceship to the sun to capture a drop of sunlight. And, uh, and as they approach the sun, it turns out that one of their team members is actually an agent of Lex Luthor, and he's there to ruin the whole thing, but uh, more importantly, so that Superman has to save the day because obviously Superman is the only one who can save the day, right? Right. Um, it's so pretty, a pretty brilliant setup. Yeah, yeah. So Superman flies to the sun to rescue this spaceship, 
um, this derelict and 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 uh, crashing spaceship, uh, and in doing so, he flies too close to the sun, which is his source of power, which is what gives him all of his abilities, and his cells become supercharged with yellow sun radiation, and uh, and when they return back to uh, to Quintum's moon base, they discover that uh, that Superman is actually dying. That that his his cells drank in too much of the the yellow sun radiation, and they're actually undergoing cell death. So like he's basically slowly dying at a molecular level. Right. And uh, and that sort of that's the the uh, the impetus or the sort of the threshold that kicks off this specific adventure, and it's essentially what would Superman do if he knew he only had so long to live. So I uh, so a lot of it is Superman sort of checking things off the the list. Um I I mean he, getting his affairs in order yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, he 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 tells Lois uh, like the first thing he does, which it, is Yeah, the neat. first thing he does is tell Lois uh who he is that he is Clark Kent and that that Clark Kent is Superman and uh Lois doesn't believe him. <laughs> Which uh, which I love because Grant Morrison, being Grant Morrison, perfectly writes the the uh, the idea that it's not so much the glasses and the slouch that people that that like tricks people into not thinking that Clark Kent is Superman, but it's the fact that Clark Kent is such a pushover and and a sort of a uh, it's just unbelievable. A weenie, yeah, that like yeah. you could never. You could never see him as Superman, yep. and that's obviously by Clark's design, right? Because yep. um, we also see him in Smallville, and when we see him in Smallville, he's 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 Clark. He's not Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. He's just Clark Kent of Smallville, which is really who he truly before is, right? he puts on his Metropolis yeah. Clark Kent yeah. disguise. Yeah, because Superman yeah. is also a bit of a of a of a character that he puts on, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, so so the the book kind of goes through well, that. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. We also see um, at the very end of the book uh, we that this, the same disbelief comes into play again. Yeah. Um, with everybody with, else with, in reverse this time though. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because Superman, um, like Clark, out of necessity has to reveal that he is yeah. is Superman, um, but he's in his Clark Kent disguise, and nobody believes him again. Yeah, um, they all, they all assume that Clark and Superman had swapped places. Had swapped or like places so Superman that was Superman... in a Clark Kent disguise. Yeah, so it was a it, it's a it's a neat bookend. He yeah. started Grant Morrison started off that way, and then he also ends yeah. ends that way too. Yeah, and it's um it's very uh, harkening back to Golden Age and Silver Age. Oh, yeah. Superman stories. There's a lot of that going so on much. here with the the magic and the the ridiculous characters and sort of surrounded by all this fantastical uh, yeah. uh, storytelling uh, that that we don't get in the modern comics, right? No. Even even uh, uh, Rebirth just happened and they're moving back towards um, uh, sort of a more classic Superman in that aspect, but. This, but a modern classic. But a mo- modern classic. Not a golden age Yeah, classic. whereas this is this is very much... There's a reason why it's titled All-Star Superman. And, uh, and, and Grant Morrison is, in my opinion, I think he's the only writer that can really pull this off for a modern audience. Uh, encapsulating both 
like sort of the ridiculous golden age and silver age stories of um obviously of of superman himself but then also all these characters that he surrounds himself with i mean there's a whole there's a whole issue um in here that's devoted to jimmy olsen and and his sort of antics um which is less a a nod to the actual superman comics but to the comics of jimmy olsen superman's Superman's pal pal, jimmy olsen where when jimmy olsen is the main character he has to get into a new wacky scenario yeah. <laughs> every time so like they allude to that with yeah. him, him well, talking about like he's got all these souvenirs one of the most famous my pal superman's pal jimmy olsen stories yeah. is when he turns into a big huge green monster yeah and superman has to save him yeah. and this this <clears throat> issue i'm sure is a direct reference to that except, oh yeah absolutely um yeah except a little bit of a reversal yeah i mean like there's a picture on on his wall of him as um the turtle yeah as, that's the guy that's yeah, the one the turtle yeah and uh, it, there's sort of like there's all these nods and references. I mean, there's there's a lamp, uh, like a genie's lamp, like from Aladdin, on his uh, on his bookshelf, and and he's just got sort of like all these knickknacks around his around his apartment. Yeah. To uh, to allude to the fact that he's had all these wacky adventures. Well, and he, I think, especially in this one, it seems yeah. like he puts himself in those positions specifically so that Superman can save him. Yeah. Because he's got that watch and he he buzzes it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the watch is from those comics as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it, he he purposely seeks out those those situations. It's one, it's awesome because um, the TV series Supergirl, I. James Olsen, a very different incarnation of the character, but a good one. Yeah. Um, he has the signal watch as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it, it, like this one, his signal watch also does other stuff. Right. So I, yeah, I, I, I like that, um, that the, the character, like that, that they bring all these classic things in, but that they mix it in with a little bit of modern. So instead of him turning into the turtle, yeah, uh, he turns into Doomsday right. in this, which is ridiculous. But it just <laughs> it, it it shows that um, with All Star, they're attempting to to meld together every era of Superman. So there's definitely um, there's definitely sort of like the the obviously we talked about the Golden Age and the Silver Age stuff. There's also the John Byrne stuff from from the eighties. Yeah, for sure. Um, Especially when uh, I think it's in volume two, when uh, when the Kryptonians come to Earth um, after Superman's been Superman's been on Bizarro World, and when he comes back from Bizarro World, the these two Kryptonians have managed to find their way to Earth, and uh, and at one point Superman touches the it's a husband and wife duo, and Superman touches the the wife and the husband. I can't remember their names. They're very odd names. Um, he says, "Like, how dare you touch her with your naked, <laughs> with your hands. naked hands?" Yeah. Which is a reference to that. The the um, I think it's the John Byrne stuff where Kryptonians were yeah because he's the one who came up with like the birthing pod and yeah. all that stuff in in his origin um, uh, the birthing matrix where uh, the reason why Superman was placed in a rocket only fit for him is that kryptonians are are born not from uh regular uh, uh 
uh, you know, uh, basically sex, right? Yeah. Uh, but Kryptonians are so evolved, they're so beyond that scientifically, that they just combine genetic material in a birthing matrix, and then the, the fetus gestates and then comes out as, like, a, a child, which is actually in a, itself a reference to um, John Carter. Uh, because in John Carter, Martian children are born out of eggs hmm. and they come out as like five-year-olds speaking and, and able to oh, do yeah. stuff already. Um, I didn't realize that it was John Byrne that did that. I, uh, In fact, I didn't even know that that was the case because I don't read a lot of Superman yeah. until I saw Man of Steel. Yeah, so it was it was also used in Man of Steel and, and the idea that the birthing matrix would also... Like that basically... I Cal, uh, oh, sorry, Jor-El retrofits the birthing matrix into a rocket in order to save Kal-El. Oh, okay. Like that's, it was sort of the, his way of, of tying everything all together. But right. in order to justify that, one of the things that they, and if you go back and you look at those eighties comics, you'll see that, um, the Kryptonians are all covered head to toe. Right. Right. They, and only their faces are, are exposed. And one of the things is that Kryptonians, like they, in their culture, they don't they don't touch. It's like forbidden to to touch another person skin to skin. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's like and but Jor El and uh, and Lara, Lara, yeah, um, I they they're they're odd. They're weird because they sort of believe in these older ways the right. sort of the the classical sort of uh, krypton and a lot of that was brought into man of steel um huh. man of steel actually draws a lot from all-star superman uh, including the there's the line uh that jor-el says when i think it's when superman when he's learning to fly um and it's the line about you know that they like they'll stumble they'll fall but you know, the eventually like they'll join you in the sun like that i think it's the end yeah. of the book right um the end of volume two i oh see so he say that in man of steel so, yeah so he says it in man of steel and there's a version of it it's a it's more lengthy in all-star superman but it's definitely taken as a direct reference huh. to all-star superman um and so like you can see that 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 all-Star Superman was influenced by sort of everything that came before it, but it's also considered pretty definitive. It's really weird, though, because Man of Steel is so far from the mark in a lot of places. I, I like it. I think it's a good movie. Um, it's definitely not the Superman that I would put on the big screen, which actually is this Superman. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it's the same Superman that like Darwin Cook and Tim Sale... Right. I, I portray where it's the Superman who lives in sort of an eternal 1930s, um, even though there's flying cars. And <laughs> yeah. like in this, there are there are 1930s automobiles alongside hover trains in the right. same panel. Right. Um, when uh, when when Lex is attacking downtown Metropolis, you sort of see that that uh, that there's all sorts of of things going it's a, on. Um, a 1930s future yeah which Futurama. which which harkens back to my favorite incarnation 
whether it be movies, cartoons, comics, any incarnation of Superman. And that's it's probably because it's one of my earliest memories of Superman and that's the Fleischer cartoons. Oh yeah, those are so good. Right? Which like you've got it's it's it is the nineteen forties yeah. when those cartoons were made and, and when they're set. But then you've got giant flying robots yeah. and oh, totally. all sorts of crazy stuff like that. And a lot of that is in here as well. Um so yeah, I I I don't know. There's so much more to, to touch on, but uh, we've sort of been jumping all over the place. Um, what what were some of your favorite moments? Um, well, I like the... Um, <clears throat> I mentioned that I like the, the episodic nature of it, and so yeah. my... Uh, I think... I, I love when Lois gets to experiment with Superman's powers. Yeah. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't really necessary to the story, but I think it was necessary for her to experience what he experiences so that she can yeah. properly, especially at the end when, when, when Superman eventually dies, she'll be able to give a proper eulogy or write that proper, yeah. um, proper paper because now she, she knows intimately about him. Mm-hmm. And I think if, um, if this, I mean, I guess Clark didn't grow up Kryptonian really. I was going to say, if they're not going to sleep together, then, um, that's probably the next best thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, they definitely, like, Clark's a, a, a human first, right? And, yeah. Uh, uh, growing up in, in Kansas. But, uh, but yeah, that's why, like, he's, he's very, like, sort of thrown off by Kryptonian culture a lot in this. Um, yeah, yeah it I, really is. I do, I do enjoy that part of the story. I do enjoy the, the lowest stuff. Um, Especially because like it, it gets into sort of the the um, the Lois Lane comics as well. Like we talked about the Jimmy Olsen stuff. Right. The the Superwoman plot is actually from an old Lois Lane comic in which she gets Superman's powers for a day. So that's uh, that that's another direct reference to an old comic uh-huh. book. Um, and it's sort of like, they're, they're sort of riddled with it, right? Like it's, it's, it's all over the place, but then there's also these more modern takes on things like their version of the Bizarro storyline is, is a completely new and be like, like, <laughs> I just love how there's this floating, um, cube earth. Yeah. And it just in the in the context of the story, it's just there, and nobody's like, "Holy cow, what's that big cube Earth doing?" Yeah, there? yeah, it's it, just it there. appears out of nowhere, right? Yeah, look, th- this is a this is a, a book that I think needs to be read multiple times um, in order for you to start to actually get some of it. I know for on sure. my first read through, I was very confused a lot of the time and having <laughs> to sort of flip back and forth. So there's. In volume one, there's a storyline, or not even a storyline. It's like a, it's like a throwaway, uh, like D plot in the Jimmy Olsen issue, uh, where Jimmy Olsen gets to be uh, director of of project for a day. Yeah. Because I. Uh, because, because he's writing an article. Yeah, he's writing an article, but but Quintum is taking a ship into the underverse like so while he does that he needs somebody to watch project for him while he's gone for this for a while for whatever period of time right so the underverse is like it's 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 
it's like an inverted version of our world and like that's never explained but it's kind of clear that they they're traveling and like they shrink down so much that they kind of pop out on the other side yeah and that's where bizarro world comes from so the cube bizarro world is from the underverse oh. and it appears in the sky and we assume that this is as a result of something that quintum has done oh really wow <laughs> yeah but it's but this is the thing it's never explicitly said but and you'd only realize it if you read this a, a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. And well, so and I've re- I've re- this is like my third time reading through. This it, is right? only my first time. Um, I mean, I I collected this in single issues from about for about the first five or six issues, mm. and then I stopped. So this is my first time reading the whole story. Yeah, and it's been it's been years since I'd actually read the individual issues. So it was all pretty much brand new. But yeah, Grant Morrison packs so much into tw- into twelve issues. Yeah, and like he in in one single issue he he does this huge time travel story with multiple Superman coming from different eras yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And like, which is, which is my favorite of it, of the, of the sort of, uh, issues yeah. of the, the episodes. Yeah. is definitely that, that time traveling aspect because like I, 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 the time travel, um, and this is a Grant Morrison thing. I mean, a, a lesser writer, I don't think would have been able to pull this off. But the time travel is something that's introduced very early on, I think, in the third issue. Um, or is it in the second issue? When when Atlas and Hercules show up. Oh, yeah. Um, we introduce the concept of time travel. And, and uh, yeah, it's in the, it's, it's the, what is that, the second issue? Okay. I just looked at it. It's the third issue in episode three. Um, they introduce uh, uh, Atlas and Hercules, and uh, and and Atlas is a t- or sorry, not Atlas and Hercules. It's Atlas and Samson, and Samson is Samson the time traveler, Samson from the Bible, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Um, and but he's a time traveler also. Yeah. Because you know, golden age comics. Right. Um, and uh, and he alludes to the fact that he knows that Superman is dying. That Superman's going to die, and uh, and then <clears throat> um, later on we get this storyline of it starts off as a flashback. It's really odd because like we started off as as episode six, this funeral in Smallville. It starts off as a flashback to Clark when he's in college, yeah, on the farm, and this is basically the story of how Jonathan Kent dies, and in this story. We get these other supermen who show up, who are alluded to earlier in the first or the the second issue, when Superman is taking Lois around the fortress and talks about like, and here's where I talk to Superman of the far future. Of the far future, (laughs) this is the unknown Superman from a year whatever, yeah, um, twenty XX or whatever. That's a Mega Man thing, Um, and. uh, you know, but all I get are these cryptic messages, and then and you, you know, on your third or fourth read through, you read those cryptic messages, and you're like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense, yeah, because um, you know stuff's coming, and and the some of these supermen from the future, <clears throat> they come back in this storyline, and like we know who they are, but Clark doesn't know who they are, and uh, by the end of the storyline, it turns out that actually. Uh, our Superman 
is one of these supermen who came back. He's actually disguised as the unknown Superman, which was set up earlier so that we would go, oh, that's the unknown Superman. And not, yeah, not clue in. Yeah, and yeah. not and not ask the question because we're already told, well, that's the unknown Superman. And he hides himself so that he doesn't create a time paradox? Yeah, basically so that he can go and while... Because when he was younger, when he was in college, he was busy saving people from this tornado. Or no, this monster. Right. And, he, and that's exactly This when... time monster thing, which is what the Superman from the future have come back to, to save Smallville from. But in the midst of, of helping the Superman, he, Clark misses his father's death. Like, his father dies while he's fighting this. So he came back in time... In order to uh, be able to be there with his father, in order in order to sort of um, comfort him in his last moments, yeah, and and we learn that that this is actually that Clark, and then if that weren't crazy time travel enough for you already, at the end of it, we talked about this a little bit. I uh, this the a bunch of Superman come out of a portal and give. Superman from the present day, the Superman that's dying, uh, uh, this indestructible Kryptonian flower, uh, and one of them is this gold Superman. He's just like this solid gold Superman. And again, this is one of those things that you don't get it on your first read through. It's, you have to get it like it's, it's that second or third time through. I think it was on my second time that I really put it together, but this gold Superman is Superman. He's the original Superman. And, like, the thing that tips it off is Clark says, which of my descendants are you? And then this gold Superman just says, ha, in response. (laughs) Oh, and he's gold because he's filled with the sun. Because he's the Superman that, at the end of the story, flies Flies into the sun in order to save the sun from collapsing, to rebuild the sun's heart. So it's like a foreshadow to the end of the book. Yeah, so this is... never realized This that. is the end of Volume 1, and at the end of Volume 1, he's already spoiling, he's basically... He's Superman's gonna die. Yeah, oh, the man. end of the story. Oh. Um, and, the, like, the other reason... Like, there, there are all these clues to it, right? Because um, he doesn't... Like, other than the fact that he's, like, solid gold, and it looks like sunlight, right? Um... His his Superman logo, his S, is is kind of like infinity. It's kind of like two drops of sunlight as well, which oh is, the whole story started with the whole yeah, drop yeah. of sunlight thing. Like it's so, and it's like yeah, and so there's one drop of sunlight kind of going down and one going up to create a yin and yang, a yin and yang, and an eternity thing because Superman can never die <laughs> because Superman isn't just a person. But an idea, yeah. and that's what the idea of the of the 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 Legion of Superman, the the which which is an idea oh. that actually comes into play in the other comics as well, in the regular comics later on, inspired by this. And um, and how is how does Superman have all these descendants? Yeah, because he's never had any kids, and if he dies at the end of the book, yeah. But we see that he gives his own DNA sequencing yeah. to. To project so they can make more Superman, and this oh, is the result of that. Yeah, along with Lois's DNA. Oh yeah, because he he, uh, basically like decodes Lois's genetic code in order to create the serum that 
that allows gives her, that gives her the powers for for one day. So he was yes, he was doing that to give Lois those powers. He was also doing it so that he could give Project, which is also a reference to Project Cadmus. Yeah. Uh, which Project Cadmus are the ones who clone Superman with Lex Luthor and Clark's DNA in order to create Connell, yeah. which is the Superboy from the Death and Return of Superman. Um, so, like, it, it, yeah, the the, the insinuation yeah, is, is that they create a Superboy, yeah. and that Superboy goes on to do all this other stuff. And that's and, also a reference, though, to the Kryptonian mating that the birthing matrix, the birthing yeah. matrix that yeah. uh, that so. So if your head's not already spinning, um, yeah, it's like this quite is brilliant. Holy cow! Grant Morrison, I I think there might only be like a handful of people who have ever lived that understand Superman as well as Grant Morrison. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and count myself in there because I <laughs> I get most of his references, although I, I probably don't get all of them. There's probably stuff here that other fans would get. Um, that fellow podcaster Michael Bailey, I. Uh, he is someone who knows Superman inside and out, knows him better than I do. Yeah, uh, probably better than Grant Morrison does actually, because uh, Michael Bailey, I, uh, I, uh, he's got a podcast. I don't know if he's still doing podcasts, but he did a podcast, Views from the Long Box, um, and uh, he is a hardcore Superman uh, fan and like archivist. Like he knows everything. Most of what I know, I've picked up from listening to him um, and and reading stuff online, but. Uh, yeah, it, it like it shows that Grant Morrison has this ridiculous, ridiculous comprehension, not only of the history of Superman, all of the different comics that have come before, um, and as well as you know movies and and as we alluded to the Fleischer cartoons, as well as as Superman the animated series, Justice League, like it's all in here if you look for it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but on top of that. Morrison understands not just who Superman is, but why Superman is. Uh, there's a story in here before Superman dies. He wants to make sure that, like he he basically in order to test whether or not there could be a world without Superman, he creates life. He creates his own pocket dimension, and in that pocket dimension. Is basically our world. That's the, what it alludes to. Is that like this whole world develops and gets to the point in the nineteen forties, nineteen thirties. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen forties. Forties. When uh, Siegel and Schuster create the character of Superman inside this story. So it's well, no, like sorry, Superman created. He was created in the thirties, right? I was gonna even say it earlier than that, but it always yeah, it's like thirty three or thirty four. Yeah, seventy like fifth um, anniversary just happened, so uh, just a couple of years ago. I'll look it but, up while uh, you're talking. Uh, yeah, but like, there's a weird like <laughs> again, if your head's not already spinning, there's a cyclical logic that Superman exists because obviously Siegel and Schuster created him, but Siegel and Schuster created him because in All Star Superman, Superman created our galaxy like our not our galaxy but like our reality like our universe 1938 um 1938 there you go okay. uh yeah so i uh, superman created superman created superman created <laughs> superman <laughs> yeah. right like that which goes back into this superman that comes out of the time portal with an infinity symbol on his right. chest yeah um and 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 the idea it's also that, a reference to just the dc multiverse yeah in general. yeah absolutely and, yeah. yeah um 
but uh, but and it's also a reference to Watchmen, which is a deconstruction of the Superman mythology, right? right. Uh, well, the DC mythology, right? Yeah. But but Doctor Manhattan specifically is a deconstruction of Superman as a character, right? Because Doctor Manhattan is another Superman, um, just sort of in a different in a different way. As a matter of fact. I, I this is spoilers for Rebirth. Do you want to, do you want to go here? Do you know this stuff yet? Um, I don't, but I don't care. So okay, you so, can tell me. Yeah. So spoilers for Rebirth, and this is basically what we're gonna end this end this this episode on. Um, it, it's funny because New Fifty Two Superman has not been well received. Right. Right. Uh, kind of to say the say the least. And I think that if you looked at it, Superman's book sales have probably dropped off a cliff. Because leading up to New 52, uh, they were doing some awesome stuff. They had just done... Um, uh, they brought Brainiac back in, in the new continuity for the first time since one of the recent crises. Um, and in doing that, they killed Jonathan Kent. Uh, and then Superman retrieved Kandor, the Bottle City Kandor, from Brainiac's ship. Yep. And restored it. Nice. And then that led to the world of New Krypton, which was an incredible Superman story um, <clears throat> that arced, uh, like, it spanned a whole bunch of Superman books. I think, like, five books uh, in order to tell that story with all of the Superman characters Superman, Supergirl, Monel, uh, which is sadly one of the characters who doesn't get a reference in this, but in All Star Superman, because um, he's one of my favorite Superman characters. I, I, but just like sort of everybody had a story in there and then they did new 52 and they wiped it all out. Right. And we get angsty, dark, edgy Superman. Yeah. Was that, um, when was man of steel? What year was that? Man of steel. Was that after new 52? Man of steel is around the same time as new 52. So did they play off of each other in that? They did, yeah, they definitely did. I I think that Man of Steel was too far into production to be influenced too much by by New Fifty Two, but I do think that the New Fifty Two version of Clark was a I'm gonna say hacky version of Clark from Man of Steel. Okay. I think they I think it very much influenced what what came out of New Fifty Two. The other thing that influenced New Fifty Two was um, Earth One. They, or they did this Earth One Superman story, which was yep. like sort of a one-off thing. We'll probably cover it eventually on the show, on the podcast. But because um, I actually liked it when it when it came out, it was cool as an Elseworlds. But then they basically made Earth One Superman, <laughs> Superman for the right. main continuity, Superman Prime. Yeah, um, which was he was a bit more of like an edgy, a bit of a darker, more modern take. It was kind of like Ultimates, yeah. kind of like Ultimate Spider Man and, okay. and and Ultimate X Men and all that. Um, but, uh, New 52 happens, and everybody hates that Superman, so, and, and I think DC Books and, and DC in general has been sort of, um, slapped around for getting way too far away from what makes DC, DC, which is sort of the fantastical... Yeah, the larger-than-life characters. Yeah, this, this sort of, uh, cosmic scale of the stories, uh, and they were trying to tell these, like, gritty, dark stories with all yeah. these characters yeah i leave that to daredevil yeah absolutely absolutely um so so in comes jeff johns uh who's been appointed as the the chief creative officer for dc he launches this thing called rebirth and and in doing it uh he uses dr manhattan 
to basically, essentially what happens is Dr. Manhattan takes a look at what happened in New 52 and says, oh, no, no, this is, this won't do. And he sets into motion certain things yeah. that, that start to fix the DC multiverse. Oh, so, so is, so Watchmen is part of the DC continuity now? Yeah, so, because a few years ago, when New 52 happened, what DC did was they basically said, these certain things that Vertigo published are now actually part of the DC continuity. Just one of the multiverses? <clears throat> Just or? one of the multiverses. Okay. Watchmen was one of them, and uh, I, uh, so Wildcats, I think? Wildstorm? Yeah, Wildstorm, like, yeah, the Wildstorm universe or whatever, like, became part of it, so, like, right. as the Wildcats are in there, oh, yeah, that well, sort of thing. like, Gen 13. Yeah, so, like, uh, yeah, because a Gen 13 character showed up in, um, in Superboy, and, uh... It wasn't Grifter. With... And Grifter was running around with, with a bunch of right. characters, yeah, yeah. and the Ravagers were characters from oh, okay. Wildstorm, um, which was a Teen Titans story that happened in New 52, but, but... Basically, Jeff John said, "Like, okay, we're gonna fix it." So they, they, like, he used Doctor Manhattan to fix, um, basically, because like the Flash had Flashpoint, Flash going back and and saving his mother from dying, and then going back and stopping himself from saving his mother from dying is what <laughs> resulted in New Fifty Two, um, and. So in order to fix that, basically Dr. Manhattan brings Wally West back. But in doing so, it sort of sets off a chain reaction and a, and a bunch of different things happen. And one of those things is, and it, it kind of it's kind of related and kind of not related, but I think it's really funny. Um, new 52 Superman ends up fighting some new bad guy that I don't know the name of because I wasn't reading the comics. But and this guy kills him in order in order for New Fifty Two Superman to stop this guy from destroying Metropolis, he basically has to absorb all the power of this guy's energy, which is basically equivalent to a sun, and he turns <laughs> into dust and dies. Okay. Um, but in that story, it turns out that they had brought back Clark from the main storyline. And Clark okay. from like from the pre New Fifty Two yeah. stuff, like classic Clark Kent, which is like post Crisis John Byrne yeah. Clark Kent moving forward, the one that died because of Doomsday yeah. and came back and all that. He had been living in disguise in the New Fifty Two <laughs> timeline, and only only helping people when it was absolutely necessary. So Superman, Lois from that timeline, and their son John. <laughs> had been had been living in secret and now after new 52 superman died this superman who is the original superman not the original original but like the 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 classic superman that classic modern that we all know and love yeah um he is rightfully back in his place but i, I mean i don't think that jeff johns would have been able to pull that story off if Grant Morrison hadn't come before him writing something like All Star <laughs> Superman, where like there's all this ridiculous, you know, universe, multiverse, time travel hopping, yeah, um, Superman stuff going on. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was really funny because you know we're here we are talking about about Superman and Grant Morrison sort of 
boiling Superman down to uh, uh, the core of the character and expressing a lot of that stuff. And uh, and in the comics currently, they're doing everything they can to fix it and put it back to the way that it belongs. That's good. Um, yeah, so I, I just thought that was funny. And yes. and I read Superman Rebirth, which was like a one, one-off, one-shot sort of like reintroduction to the character. Um an explanation of a lot of what I just went over. And uh, and I'll say, like, I think they're on the right track. So if anybody's been avoiding DC Comics for <laughs> the last five years, like I have, um, it might be time to, to... Give them another shot. Yeah, pull your head out of the sand and see what's going on, because Jeff Johns is trying to put things back to normal. And the other thing, and this is spoilers for Batman v Superman and the upcoming Justice League movie, but, um, so, you've been warned. Uh, but Superman dies at the end of that. And he's going to come back. And I think when he comes back, <laughs> he's going to be much more of like the... The Christopher Reeves. Superman. Yeah, the wink at the camera. Because did you say of... is um, Jeff Johns in charge of that franchise? <clears throat> yeah, well? he's basically he's basically in charge of everything now. So huh? um, yeah. what happened was they they had segmented it, right? So they had, they had uh, Bruce Timm and uh, Paul Dini sort of overseeing all of the animated stuff, which is why the animated stuff me. has been awesome. Yeah. It's been great. Um, and apparently the Killing Joke animated movie is yeah. getting a theatrical release, yeah. like a one night only sort of thing, um, uh, which I'm really excited about. I, and uh, so that's all been going great because great people have been in charge of that. Unfortunately, like Dan DiDio has a lot to do with what happened in New 52. Right. It was Dan DiDio and, uh, and Jim Lee that were responsible for it, which is, which is why it felt an awful lot like the 90s were happening all over <laughs> yeah. again and foil covers and blah 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 um although they were using lenticular covers but uh, it was sort of flashbacks to the comic book bubble burst yeah back yeah. in the 90s well when you're not when your sales are going down you have to print multiple yeah. copies yeah. of your it, yeah. issues to sell more copies yeah absolutely um and then you had Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan who were theoretically in charge of the movies, right. but Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan had very different ideas as to what a good superhero movie is. Obviously, because the Dark Knight trilogy bears no resemblance to a superhero movie whatsoever, right? They're, and it was so successful, though. Yeah. Um, so they took what they could from that, and then Zack Snyder tried to add superhero stuff to it, and we ended up with sort of the the mishmash of whatever Batman v Superman was. Although I enjoyed it, but it's not a good movie and it's not a great <laughs> first step for this shared universe. So Jeff Johns has been brought in um, and uh, the the director of The Flash, which was supposed to be the next one after Wonder Woman, um, which is already sort of too far into production for them to do anything about. The Flashes or Wonder Woman is? Wonder Woman, like it comes out next year. It's already yeah. I have I have higher expectations for that one in general, yeah. though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the but same. the the Flash, like the director left the movie, and like they had they've had to put in a new director and all this different stuff. So, um, yeah, like there's crazy stuff going on with the movies. Hopefully, to help them get back to a place where they're telling stories a little bit more like All Star Superman. Yeah, not too is, much. This is already a movie, though. This is already an animated you, movie. Did, yeah. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen it. I, I meant to watch it before. I've seen parts of it. I've seen bits and pieces. Um, I know that they did move away from a lot of the the material in this. You know what? They, they actually boil it down. They surprisingly, there's only I think 
the, the Bizarro story is not in there. The Jimmy Olsen Doomsday story is not there. But pretty much okay. everything else yeah. is there. The dialogue is like word for word yeah, from yeah, the yeah. comic. Like it's very very faithful, except that they change the ending. Yeah. And can I spoil it for you? Yeah. The um, in in the in the comics. Uh, at the very end, um, before Superman dies, he we already talked about this, he writes out his genetic code and loads yeah. his genetic code so that Superman can continue after he's gone. But in the in the movie, um, Lex Luthor gets the powers of Superman like he does in the comics, yeah. but then he sees... He's Which we able, didn't even talk about. Right. Um, he sees Superman's genetic code, yeah. and he writes it down, and before he's executed... Um, he he gives over that that um, DNA sequence to to Project, okay. so that they can uh, so that they can create another Superman, um, which is an odd move in the comics. Lex Luthor's evil; he stays evil to the end. Yeah, because but, because he is uh, like all the characters like we've talked about. They're sort of boiled down to their core concepts. Like Lex is, is one Lex of those Luthor. characters. He's as much as like there's a potential for him to be a hero. He's evil through and through. He always will be. And but then they turn him into this redemptive character in yeah. the end. Like he he, yes, he's done these despicable things, but in the end, he actually cares for the entire future. Yeah. So he's sort of a hero at the end, which is a, a weird choice I thought to make. Blame to Smallville. Change that ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, but it was so it's strange that they were faithful yeah. through the entire part, and why not set Superman up to to secure the future rather than Lex? It's, it was it was an odd choice but the rest of it was great yeah yeah cool well i i, I will get around to to checking it out at some point i'm sure but uh, i'll put it at the top of my list i think okay um i think it's on netflix right uh yep that's yeah. where i watched okay. it yeah cool cool well i i anything else i think that's it i think so that was a good conversation cool um awesome well uh that that's it for all-star superman but uh, we got two more books to talk about this month. Yeah, in the next episode, we'll talk about Chu from Image Comics. And then in the third episode, we'll talk about a manga called Ikigami. Um, so stay tuned to those ones. And uh, I've been, yeah, what are we reading next? Yeah, oh yeah, next month is going to be our our tribute to Darwin Cook, who yes. sadly passed away a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so we've picked three books of his. Um We've already read his masterpiece, which was New Frontier. Yeah. So you can go to our website and listen to that episode yeah. um, while you're waiting for these other ones to come out. And then uh, you are picking. What are you picking? Uh, so my poll, I alluded to it earlier. It's it's the third story in what I consider the, like sort of the, the trinity of the three best Superman stories. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's Superman Kryptonite, which uh, is collected from uh, Superman Confidential, which... I uh, was uh, illustrated by Tim Sale and written by Darwin Cook. So what a team! Yeah, Holy cow. yeah, uh, yeah. As great of a team as Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely are, they yeah. definitely capture one aspect of Superman. Um, Tim Sale and and, and uh, Darwin Cook uh, are equally as astounding as a team. So well, good. Um, Which we've already yeah. seen Tim Sale. Do yep. Superman in yep. Superman for all seasons. Yeah, with so. Jeff Loeb writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that, that was yeah, I think, and I think that after after we've we've uh, uh, gone through Superman Kryptonite, will like I, in my personal opinion, you've hit sort of the the best of the best Superman writers and illustrators. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So so, so that's I just one. wanted to sort of close that out, and and it's it's one of my favorite Darwin Cook 
uh, uh, written stories. So good, cool. Well, uh, what's your poll? Um, Darwin Cook um, adapted and illustrated a series of uh, crime novels, Richard Richard Stark's Parker. It's just kind of down and dirty, hard boiled crime, not superhero at all. Um, and it's just fantastic. He mm-hmm. takes his art in a little bit of a different direction. Yeah. And very um, noir. Very noir, very stylized. Yeah. And it's got his charm, though, his sort of classic retro style. And it fits that, 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 that storytelling really well. So we're going to take the first book called The Hunter. And we'll read that one and see, cool. see what the fuss is all about. Awesome, and then uh, and then what are we what are we doing for the for the reader poll um, or for our third because this is kind of a different yeah one. well yeah a reader a reader hasn't suggested a Darwin cookbook yeah. to us recently so um, I suggest we look at his version of Spirit yes um, the Spirit who was created by Will Eisner one of the yeah. grandfathers of of graphic novels yeah um, and uh, and see what Darwin Cook did with that character cool um, so we'll do the first volume of the Spirit. Awesome, yeah. cool. Well, I obviously next month's going to be a, an incredible month because um, because uh, Darwin Cook is yep. one of the greats. So so that'll be an awesome way to uh, to pay tribute to him and his uh, a long and storied career in comics. It wasn't even that long. Yeah, I guess it's it's not really like that long. No, it was like I ten years maybe. Yeah, which in comic book time like. Jim Lee's been doing it for 30 years. I, mean, yeah, I still think true. of him as kind of a new guy. That's true. So Darwin Cook hasn't been there yeah. that long. I guess his stories are just like kind of because they're retro and they're timeless. It almost yeah. feels like they're classic, yeah. right? Yeah. And, uh, instant classics. So cool. Well, I that's that. And uh, we will join you guys uh, next next week for, uh, for Chew. Yep. So we'll see you guys then. Keep reading comics. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll. Uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram at pullboxpodcast. And you can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can, you can also find all of our other great podcasts over at thunderquack.com. And uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, of which we are proudly a part. And, uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack. And, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps. But uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash thunderquack and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.